0: Okay, those of you who are registered nurses, there you can get continuing education credit for these three sessions free of charge. And Maxine says that there are forms at the back that you need to fill out a form and turn it into me or turn it into Maxine and she'll get it to me. And you can have three hours of credit. All right, the next two sessions, this one and the one right after lunch, have to do with fairly recent research on the differences between the male brain and the female brain, and that is becoming a favorite topic wherever I go. In March, I'll be going back to Australia for my 14th lecture tour, and the first thing when they I say preferred topics, it's always, give us more on male-female differences, I was doing that not too long ago, and after the section, uh, an attendee came up to me and said, if we learn about male-female differences, will, will that make them go away? <laughs> Reminds me of Ann Lander's book, Questions That I Couldn't Answer. <laughs> no, it doesn't make them go away, but once you understand them, they're not so Irritating. They're just kind of fun, because you realize how different the brains are. So I want to start this section with what I call brain benders. These are anti-aging puzzles, if you will, because with the left hemisphere, you can hopefully read the letters, form them into words, because language is loaded in the left hemisphere pretty much regardless of of handedness. There's a few people who seem to have the brains reversed, but that's a real small percentage. So, anybody left-handed here? One, two, three, four, five, okay. Well, that's interesting. We've got almost equal males and females. There's usually more more males that are left-handed. Not good or bad, right or wrong, it's just different. And probably you all have language loaded in the left hemisphere. But with the right hemisphere now, you are looking at the position of the words in the box or their position with each other. And when the left and right hemispheres are working together, now you can come up usually with some type of little phrase that this illustrates in each little box is the puzzle. If you go to my website, which is just ArleneTaylor.org. Remember, I'm an org. There's hundreds of these there that you can use to stimulate your brain anytime you want to. So this first puzzle, what might that say? Think before you speak. Think before you speak. Brain doesn't care whether the words go forwards or backwards. You could read an entire book. With the words backwards. As long as the first and the last letters were accurate. Because the brain doesn't care. can read it either way. So often I'll just turn a word around. Just give your brain a little more practice. Second on the left. News break. News break. break in the news. Good. Third on the left. The word is two, and which way is it going? It's back, it's going back, so start with back to square one, back to square one. And fourth on the left, hush where? Up, hush up. Uh, top right, chill out, good. Good. Second on the right. Listen up. Third on the right. Well, personal finances down. There's no right or wrong here. My brain didn't think of that one. I was, most people say personal space. That's not what I was thinking of. I was thinking of that the letter S is by the word personal. So when you turn that around, it's personal bias. And when you run it together, you come up with personal bias. And fourth on the right is a word in a word. Blue in the face. Good job. So when you do these puzzles, you are exercising both left and right hemispheres. And the current recommendation is 30 minutes of challenging mental exercise every day and this is one way you can get some of that. This is what I call the Who I Am pyramid. It contains, it shows the five key brain functions that I think every human being needs to know about themselves if you wanna use your brain by design. And you notice that the bottom layer is whether you have an empathizing female brain, A systemizing male brain, or whether you've got a 50-50 brain, which is uh, called the intersex brain. It's really half and half. So since it's foundational, I often love to do male-female differences. Conflict. We're probably going to have conflict as long as we are on this planet, unfortunately. It's expensive. It's expensive financially, but it's also expensive in many other ways. In the home, illness, disease, stress, violence, addiction, divorce, murder. In schools and churches, it burns out personnel. Misunderstandings. Have you ever been on a school board and four years of arguing? I mean four years, four hours of arguing. In the workplace, managers... Last survey, 2006, compared to 10 years before, 1996, I think it was. Managers spend 18% of their time managing employee conflicts. Now, business managers, business owners, are not excited about that. They don't want to pay their employees 20% of their salary trying to manage employee conflicts it's expensive it's ridiculous when you do large sample studies looking for a common denominator for conflict often it's a misunderstanding of gender differences a misunderstanding of how the male brain and the female brain uh, are wired and uh, how they function so that's the topic Years and years ago, before there was much research on male-female differences using brain scanning equipment, there was a lot of testing done, but it was psychological and behavioral and so on. And what they came up with was that males typically outperform females in some areas and females typically outperform males in some areas. And together, it's about equal. I was invited to speak at the National Organization of Women once. Because their premise, at least at that time, was anything a man could do, a woman could do better. And being relatively young and unseasoned as a speaker, I felt it important to point out that that was really an error. And they didn't like it. But it's the truth. (laughs) So, male-female differences research comes out as a bell curve. Some research doesn't. It just comes out this way or the other. But... Male-female differences research comes out in a bell curve, meaning that that applies to at least two-thirds of the population, and then at one end you're going to have some that even more closely represent the research and some at the other end that aren't quite as aligned. So if I say something that in general men are and general women are and uh, you're married to someone who's different or you don't match that, it doesn't invalidate the research. It just means that every single brain on this planet is unique. No two are alike. And we actually get more different as we get older. Because every thought you think changes the neuron pathways in your brain. Which is the reason it's really important to pay attention to what you think. But we actually get more and more different. So there's just to remind you if you've forgotten what the bell curve looks like and the two standard deviations, one on either side of the mean, take in two-thirds of the population. Now, having said that, there are sometimes within a female group or within a male group, there are more differences than there are between the groups but we're gonna be talking about some of the research that shows the difference and I I have lots of fun with this. Diffusion Tensor Imaging, DTI. It's a relatively new brain scanning technique and it's designed to measure the flow of water across this long axon neuron pathway I don't think that's showing up very well. Okay, do you see that? That's the axon. That's a drawing of a neuron. You can think of your hand as a neuron. You know, the palm of your hand is the cell body. Your thumb represents that longer axon, and there's more of those long axons in the right hemisphere wrapped with myelin, that insulation which makes it whitish in color. In fact, your brain is about the size of your two fists. And if you put a gray glove on your left hand and a white glove on your right hand, then you'd actually have the colors of, of the brain. And our brains are all the same color, regardless of skin color. I wish people would get that. Same color. I am working with a group of individuals now. We're writing a program on health for young people, totally brain-based, And we contacted a company that makes the big, you know, the Mickey Mouse heads at Disneyland and so on. And I told them we wanted a couple of brains, big brains. And they sent us a model, and they were hot pink. And I sent it back, and I said, no, if you read number G on the order, it says left hemisphere gray, right hemisphere, a very pale pinkish white. He calls up and he says, I've never seen a brain model like that. And I said, I know, because they don't know what they're doing. I want it gray and white. Okay, fine, we're gonna do it. So we're waiting for the brains. It's gonna be really fun if they actually get it right. Now, DTI outlines the path of myelinated axons. All that means, it's that longest projection from the neuron wrapped with lots of insulation which helps the messages go back and forth faster. They, all w- Researchers aren't satisfied with just getting information. They always want to compare, which is a good thing, in my brain's opinion. And when, when it's stuff like this, they want to compare lots of male brains with lots of female brains. So when they do diffusion tensor imaging, the results come out in something called a connectome. It's just a map. It shows whether one region is connected to another or whether it's not connected at all. A lot of this comes out of Pennsylvania University. And when I did this slide, but things changed so quickly, they had established connectivity in brains between among at least a 100 areas of the brain. And now it's way more than that, but no surprise. And they were not expecting this, which is also interesting. There are significant differences in connectivity patterns between the male brain and the female brain. So let's look at some of those. We'll start with the male brain, and this is a male brain connectome, a drawing of the connectome. And you can see, just by looking at it, that most of the connections are going from top to bottom in each hemisphere. They're distributed across the hemisphere. The only part of the male brain where there was more connection between the two hemispheres, was down here in the cerebellum that has to do with motor control. And that can probably help to explain. How many women are on the Indy 500? One. Has she ever won? No. But it's amazing she's up there as far as I'm concerned. This is the only, this is the primary place for muscle motor control. So more men, actually the statistically they're better drivers than women are. Sure, they have 14% more accidents per mile driven, but that's not because they're, they're better drivers. They just go out and act out their emotions instead of talking about them. But they're actually better drivers. You look at the Olympics are coming up. I was born in Canada in the late 1800s. Uh, 56 degrees below zero when I came out to shoot. It was very cold. So I really enjoy the Winter Olympics and I try to get some time to watch those. They will sometimes have the same event for males and females, but the criteria will, will differ. Because men have 40% of their body is muscle tissue. And they have more connections between the two hemispheres. So they can visualize what they want to do. Mental picture in your brain. And then tell their muscles how to act it out. So that's the side view. So let's look at the view from the top. Now do you see that? That's pretty amazing. You'll see... A little bit of cross-hemispheric connection, but not much. And down here, here's the cerebellum, and you'll see some red dots there, meaning there's lots of, lots of cross-hemispherical connections. So researchers think this helps to account for the fact that, in general, males have better spatial skills. The word is spatial. I was lecturing down south. And I said males have better spatial skills. Guy on the front row elbows the woman behind him and said, "I told you we were more special." <laughs> and they have better motor muscle control. It's not so such a big deal now with you know GPSs, but they statistically do better at map reading. Uh, Direction finding. I swear, my dad could go somewhere once. Thirty years later, he could go back and go to the same place. It's just amazing. I don't have that giftedness. Uh, Better vehicle, safer, more skilled vehicle drivers, and certainly the things to do with sports. I have never watched basketball. It never appealed to me. I, you know, grew up with hockey and that kind of stuff. But one of my kids called me up and said, have you been watching basketball? No, of course you haven't. So you don't know about Steph Curry. And I said, who's Steph Curry? So he starts telling me about Steph Curry that probably all of you were already watching and his three pointers from way back somewhere off the court. So I turned on the television And started watching Steph Curry. It is really, really amazing to watch somebody whose brain is that gifted in one area. It's just phenomenal. So I try to watch when I can. All right. You got the male brain down, Pat? All right, men, listen up. You don't have many cross-hemispheric connectors. That's not good or bad right or wrong, you just don't have very many. In fact, some researchers say that you've got a pathetic little one-lane highway connecting those two hemispheres, whereas women have a 15-lane freeway. That gives you an advantage. In essence, you have two somewhat independently operating hemispheres, And you can do two tasks at the same time. I'm talking simultaneously as long as each one is directed by a different hemisphere. Female brain cannot do that. And if you only need to use half of your brain, (laughs) guess what? The other half is idling. And so it takes less energy for the male brain to run. Not fair. So let's look at the female connectome. Here's a side view. What do you notice that's different? Well, the color is irrelevant. That's just to show you the connectome pathways. What's different about this? They're clustered. They're not up and down on each, in each hemisphere like the male brain. They're clustered. Look at this, this cluster. There are far more connections, especially between the two frontal lobes in the female brain, than there is in the, there are in the male brain. The only place, remember, where there were more cross-hemisphere connections was down here in the cerebellum in the male brain. And, you know, a healthy female brain, we can... You know, do some spatial things, but not at the level of the male brain. Now, let's look at looking down on the female brain. What do you think of them Them apples, as my grandma used to say? So, can you see that there are tons of cross-hemisphere connections? Tons. And they're really grouped toward the top part of the brain there's some certainly down here but they're they're clustered right there around the top hemis- the top two frontal lobes and researchers say that this could account for typically females have better verbal skills let me let me give you an example let's say that a male is in the right hemisphere And you remember I said earlier that language is loaded in the left side of the brain. So that up here, top left lobe is Broca's area that has to do with spoken speech, grammar, syntax. Then you have Wernicke's area down here that has to do with hearing speech sounds and decoding them and writing and reading and all of those language functions so a male is in the right hemisphere and he is putting together a swing set in the backyard for the neighbor's kids and doesn't even need to read the instructions which I think is really egregious and he cuts his finger and somebody notices that and runs out and wants to help him and he's not saying a word. Well, how did you do this? Nothing. Does it hurt? Nothing. And they think he's retarded. Well, speech is over here. He happens to be pretty much in the right hemisphere because that's what was involved in what he was doing. In order to talk about that, he's going to have to turn out the lights, shut off the air con, Find the highway, cross the highway, turn the lights on, turn on the aircon, you know, climb up here to Broca's area and talk about it. Do you realize that that process to completely switch his attention, meantime he's still bleeding, is going to take six or seven seconds? So we are, you know, a little boy and a little girl falls on the playground. And she starts talking, talking, talking. And they say to him, well, how do you feel? And he's not saying a word. And they think that he's just being obtuse. He's in the other side of the brain, for heaven's sake. And research, a lot of research has shown that it may take a male brain two to three days to be willing to talk about something that a little female brain starts just chattering about at the moment. And he's much more likely to take his car and go out and crash it or kick the cat or do some other egregious activity because he's upset instead of talking about it. So once you know that, men, you can make a different choice and women, you can quit badgering them to talk to you. Because this is a big statistical problem in relationships. He comes home from work He says, I just got my vacation. It's the first week of September. We'll have to figure out where to go. And he shuts up. Now he's thinking. Takes either male or female brain somewhere in the neighborhood of 15 minutes to come to a clear conclusion. She just opens her mouth and starts talking. She has not come to a conclusion. But the female brain processes more effectively by just talking about it. In fact, many females will say, I don't know what I'm thinking until I hear myself say it. Males don't want to talk about it till they've come to a conclusion. So she's just talking. Well, you know, we could go. We could go to Disneyland. Haven't been there for a while. But if we went to Disneyland, we wouldn't get to see our new grandchild in Montana. Maybe we should go to Montana. But we've been to Montana several times. Keeps talking. Now she notices that he hasn't said anything. So she'll look at him and she'll say, Are you part of this conversation? Talk to me. You haven't said anything. Well, if he understands the brain, his response will be, I'm thinking. When I come to a conclusion, you'll be the first to know. But he doesn't know this, and she badgers him to talk, so finally he says, Well, you know, I've kind of always thought about Tibet. Tibet? Are you nuts? We're not going to Tibet. Okay, now they argue about Tibet. They never do go on vacation. So you've got to understand this stuff. Intuitive abilities. The skill of intuition is in the right frontal lobe where there is no language. There's gestures. (laughs) So if you are driving down the freeway and you accidentally cut somebody off, and they roll down their window and start screaming at you, what side of the brain are they in? The left, left, because that's where vocal language is. But if they just stick their arm out the window and make some interesting gestures, they're in the right side of the brain, because there's no language there, but there's gestures. And, you know, it's kind of nice to know that. I'm not going to respond either way, but at least I know where they are. But in the female brain... So, so intuition's the f- right frontal lobe. Males and females have intuition if you use it. But in the female brain, because of the connectors, there's no separation, relatively speaking, between the hemispheres. So if any part of their brain is on, it's all on. And females are said to have a sixth sense of intuitive knowing. Because it pulls from the rest of the brain anything that might have a bearing on what they're thinking about. Memory test results and social cognition tests. But again, what are those tests measuring? Because if females actually have a little bit of an advantage in time, in in verbalization and so on, Are the test results because they're better at answering questions or are the test results have anything to do with emotional intelligence skills themselves? And researchers think it's not about the skills. It's that we do things differently. For example, the male brain actually concentrates better if there's some distraction in the environment. Don't ask me the reason. Female brains generally f- have trouble focusing when there's distraction in the environment. So male students will often want to listen to music while they're doing homework. And their mother says, no, you can't do that. You can't concentrate and listen. Well, yeah, they can and probably will do better depending on what they're listening to. You know, should be music without words. You know, classical 60 beats per minute is probably the best. But women, a few women may do better listening to music while they study, but in general, women want it quiet. So you give IQ tests, 5,000 people, 2,500 men, 2,500 women. Everything is really, really quiet. I mean, you even hate to breathe because they want the room so quiet. Guess what? Women will score higher, up to 15 points higher and the males will score lower because they don't focus as well without something in the environment. So they're roofing the building in which the test is being held. And the reverse will happen. Males will score up to 15 points higher and females will score lower because it bothers them with their, you know, more trunk-like brain instead of two separate things. Okay, here they are side by side. Is that different or is that different? It's staggering to many of us because who knew? The other interesting thing is that if you did PET scans, and a few have been done, on children before they've reached the age of puberty, their brains will look the same. They'll have some going up and down and some going across. But apparently at puberty, which all of those templates are set during pregnancy, that's when these brains get rewired. And the male brain gets rewired to look like this. And the female brain gets rewired to look like this. So, read my lips... If you want a whole brain solution, you actually need a male brain and a female brain because superimposed on each other, they've got everything covered. And that is the scriptural model, you know, a female brain and a male brain working together. And this may be the reason for that. And this rewiring process, imagine, you're living in your house and it's completely being rewired. Can you imagine how discombobulating that could be so these teenagers it's no wonder that things get a little off track first of all their corpus callosum that biggest highway that connects the two hemispheres doesn't get paved till age 20 or 21 and so they're always at risk for shorting out at that point in time and you know they may be trying to think and that part's not wired yet and so they have trouble We know, for example, that they're at least two hours behind in terms of, or is it ahead, in terms of their sleep pattern. Meaning, if their parents go to bed at 10, they don't even want to think about going to bed till at least midnight. And their parents are up at 7 and trying to get them going. And these teenagers don't even wake up till 10. And this all has to do, they think, with this brain wiring. So a few basic summary slides so here's the female brain drawing and it's got this much larger corpus callosum you know that women spend more time on the brain highway as some researchers put it so they're doing something here and they think of something they want to do here and they buzz over there and back and forth and so on and so it's hard for them to understand the reason that the male brain doesn't think the way they do So she buys the painting at the flea market. And she comes home and she says, I'd like you to hang the painting in the living room. Well, he may not consciously know this, but his brain knows that the use of tools is up here in the left frontal lobe, but he's over here doing something. And he says, I'll get to that when I'm done here. And she says... Why can't you do it now? Well, he says, because I'm doing this. Yeah, she says, but leave that and do this and then you go back to that. Okay, how many seconds did I tell you it takes on average to completely switch hemispheres and attention? Six or seven seconds. He doesn't want to do that. He wants to finish everything on one side before he goes to the other. So now they're at odds. So I tell women, make a list. And you guys look at the list, (laughs) because there will be some time when you're in the part of the brain that will do what's on the list. But women, stop asking them to do it right now unless you're bleeding to death, and it's life and death, because that's not how their brains work. Oh, somebody mentioned about men can't find anything in the fridge. Well, that's actually different from the wiring, but that has to do with the fact that males have a long-range tunnel vision. I've learned something from a race race driver friend of mine, and I didn't even pick up on that before. When men are driving in a race or on a curvy road, they actually move their entire head in the direction they're going. Women just usually sit there with their eyes straight ahead and look out the side. Well, do you realize, women, that your brain controls your muscles less by where your eyes are and more by where your head is pointing? So he taught me when I'm on a curvy road to actually turn my head right to left depending on where the road is going. You can feel it in your muscles. It takes a lot less energy to do that. So, you know, it's not a skill that's innate in my brain, but we can learn to do that. All right. Got this general picture? Oh, I was going to tell you one more thing about the fridge, wasn't I? Well, this long tunnel range vision means that it's much easier for them to see farther away than close up. And my son, who's a CHP, laughed and said, Mom, we know that. (laughs) We know that. So you got a guy that's going 70 in the fast lane and here's his exit. He can get over five lanes and get off. I mean, he's, he can see it in time to get over there. A woman's in, a woman's in the fast lane going 70 and here's her exit and she goes, oops, missed that one. <laughs> I'll take the next one and come back around. They just don't have the same type of vision style. Women have a much shorter range Broader peripheral vision style. They don't see as well far away. They do see better at night. But they, in general, see much better in this 180 degree space. And women, you can try. You can stand there, look straight ahead, put your arm out. And some women can even see more than 180 degrees. That's why they turn their head just a little bit and they know what the kids are doing. And the male's got to turn right around to see what the kids are doing. So you come to the refrigerator. And you open the door. And my refrigerator door will not stay open unless I hold it open. That's totally the wrong distance for the male vision style. Works fine for a female. Doesn't work well for, for the male. So he's looking and looking and You know, where's the butter? She walks over and she says, Right here, are you blind? No, it's just the wrong vision style for him. Over and over again, I had women coming complaining to me about this. Had one woman in my office and she said, I'm going to just get a divorce. I'm so sick and tired of him asking me all the time, all day long. Have you seen? Have you seen? Where is this? So I explained this to her. She says, I I don't get it. I said, okay, here's what I want you to do. Do you got a pair of binoculars at home? Yeah, she said, I do. I said, good. What's the most recent thing that you're whining about? You know what whining is. It's anger. Squeezing out through a very small opening. (laughs) I said, you go home and get your binoculars. What was the most recent incident? Well, she said, he says, "Hun," he says, every time he says that, I know he can't find something. He says, "Hun, have you seen my glasses? And I said, are they on your head? He goes, no, they're not. Well, she said, last time I saw them, they were in the middle of your desk. He says, I don't see them. So she walks in, and there they are, right in the middle of his desk. It's the wrong distance for him. So I said, you go home and get your binoculars, and you go into his office, and you put your binoculars on, and you locate his glasses. She said, that'll be a piece of cake, and I'm thinking, right. So she calls me three hours later. She says, I put the binoculars on, and I could not find the glasses. I'm not kidding. I couldn't find them. She said, I kept looking seeing where they were, putting the glasses up, and I could not find them. It's difficult, I said, you think. Wrong distance for him. So my boys would have all their friends over on Super Bowl Sunday, and they would often come, and and sometimes their girlfriends were there, and the boys would often come with their favorite can of whatever. And they would open the fridge door and put the can in and shut the door and I thought, they're memorizing where that is so they don't even have to see it when they come back for it. And then their girlfriends would clean the fridge. And at halftime, they would come, they'd open the door, they'd reach for exactly where they left their can of whatever and it was a bottle of ketchup and they would not be amused. So you either need two fridges or you need to give the men in your life one shelf that's all their own and you don't touch it. The only t- I did that to my kids and I said the only time I'll touch anything on your shelf is if one of two things happens. I see something furry on that shelf <laughs> and I don't recognize it. Or I open the fridge and something's moving on that shelf. Otherwise, that's your shelf. I'll tell you, we got along a whole lot better. We talked about fewer accidents per mile driven, but that's not because women are better drivers. They're more cautious. And again, males tend to act out their emotions rather than talk about them and, and go out and have a problem with exhibition of speed. And they see better in daylight. So here's another area where males and females get upset. He'll drive all day, and then he'll say to her in the evening, "Uh, you want to drive for a while? And she's thinking, so why didn't he let me drive while I was fresh? He drove all day, and now he wants me to drive. Well, just remember, you see better at night, women, statistically. So take a nap during the day and drive at night. You'll be safer. Multitasking. When I say that males can simultaneously do two tasks, as long as each one comes out of an opposite hemisphere, that's not multitasking, it's simultasking. And the female brain cannot do that. But here's the problem, women. Let's say that he's using power tools. And power tools are in the frontal left lobe. So you come out to see how he's doing and you start talking to him, which means that he cannot simultaneously safely use his power tools and listen and respond because all of that comes out of the left hemisphere. Statistically, males lose their fingers when they're using power tools, often when somebody is talking to them. So if you want him to keep all his digits shut up until he shuts off the electrical saw or whatever he's using. Females cannot multitask and they cannot simultask. They try to multitask. But again, research shows that if you are trying to multitask, your error rate goes up significantly and so does your fatigue. What looks like multitasking in females is not multitasking. It's rapidly alternating shifts of attention. All right? We're talking five or six seconds. So you're really losing a lot of time as you try to multitask. That doesn't stop people from trying. But that is not how the brain works. We've talked about making decisions just remember, a woman will come to a conclusion more quickly and cleanly if she just opens her mouth and processes aloud. And, just, and that will help the male concentrate better because there's some distraction in the environment. But don't ask each other what they've decided until 15 or 20 minutes goes by and they're really ready to respond. One more thing about hearing, because again, that's a separate whole section. Gentlemen, you're born with poor hearing. I hate to tell you that. And it just goes downhill from there. (laughs) And they have terrific senses of humor. I love the male brain humor. So men, here's the downside for that. As your hearing decreases you are going to tend to miss words that sound very much alike and I remember back to my folks we didn't know the research then but my mother would say uh, I want to be sure we go pick apples in the fall because she liked to can applesauce and my father would say pick apples in the mall <laughs> no she said the fall Oh, I thought you said mall. And it would go like this every day, and they'd get upset with each other. If you are starting to lose your hearing, gentlemen, get a hearing assistive device. Because brain stimulation from hearing tends to be an antidote for age-related dementia. And if you lose all of this sound input into your brain, you are at higher risk for developing symptoms of dementia, and you don't want to go there. Now, having said that males tend to hear better when there's distraction in the environment or when they're doing something else, here was what happened in my office. A lady comes into my office and she says, I'm so sick and tired of my husband reading the paper at breakfast every morning and he doesn't even listen to me. And I said, well, he's probably listening to you because if he likes the sound of your voice, he's perfectly happy to have you chatter on because it actually helps him focus better. She looks at me and she goes... Well, I asked him the other day, are you listening to me, Harry? And he said, uh-huh. So I says, okay, Harry, what did I just say? And he goes, what? He wasn't listening. I said, well, if you want, here's here's the research. Female brain. You ask a female brain to listen to... Voices of different ages and different genders. You know, little girls, little boys. You know, average age, female, male, older, male, female. And even though the decoding center is here in the left hemisphere, it doesn't matter. Because of the global way the female brain functions, she hears them equally well and decodes them. You ask a male to listen to male voices and guess what? Broca's area lights up. Left hemisphere, two temporal lobes, one on each side. That's where you've got the functions of sound decoding. So his left hemisphere, it lights up in the part of the brain that decodes speech sounds. The right temporal lobe, where you decode the melody of speech, voice inflections, Things like that, dark, nothing. So the research shows that in the average brain, there's an 85% advantage to decoding speech sounds on the left side of the brain. They can do it a little bit with voice inflection, but mostly it's speech sounds. In the right hemisphere, it's just reversed. 85% is decoding voice inflections. Is it high? Is it low? Does it sound angry? that kind of thing, and only 15% speech decoding. So if you should go deaf in the left ear, you could still do some speech decoding, but it wouldn't be all that easy. So she says to me, what am I going to do about this? I says, well, you're going to learn how to talk. Since we know from research that the male brain really lights up in the speech decoding center... When it's a male voice, then you've got to change the way you talk to him. Because the typical female, if she hasn't been taught differently, her voice pitch is a little bit higher, and her voice goes up on the end of the sentence, and she sounds like she's asking the question or doesn't know what she's talking about, even if she does. And that just sounds like up and down a melody line of music. Male voice is lower. It's usually monotone, even when he's shouting. And uh, everything goes down on the ends of the sentence. So, when you take public speaking classes, that's one of the first things they teach you. If there's going to be males in the audience. Then you need to get your lowest comfortable voice pitch. Make sure inflections go down at the end of the sentence and hope they're going to listen because you're also going to have a mic because they need it louder. I'll digress with a little study that was done. They took 40 newborns, put them in a room. I don't know how they got them all to cry, but they were all crying. Blindfolded their mother, a mother, one at a time, Put him in the room and said, find your newborn by the sound of its cry. Within a minute or two, they got it. They blindfolded the father. And they put him in the room and said, find your newborn. Forty days later, he still hadn't found them. (laughs) Processing differently. So I said to this woman, all right, you don't have to get a microphone, but here's the deal. Feel free to chatter away. Remember that he's doing a better job reading the paper if you're chattering. But if it's And never ask him, what did I just say? If you want to get his attention, you're going to have to take a deep breath, lower your voice, speak in a monotone, and he will get it. Oh, she said, I think that's ridiculous. I said, well, your choice. You're the one who's upset. I didn't ask you to come to my office. (laughs) So a week later, I get this phone call. This lady says, I can't believe it, but you were right. I said, I'm going to need more information than that. Well, she said, this is what I, I finally got up the nerve. He was, you know, reading the paper, and I was chattering, and finally I stopped chattering. He looked at me, he says, something wrong? She said, no. So I did some more chattering. And then I took a deep breath and lowered my voice. And I said, Harry, I just bought round the world tickets on the QE2. We leave Thursday. I said, what happened? He jumped up. He dropped his paper. He spilled his coffee. He said, what? I said, see, men will ask questions. (laughs) if They want more information. Okay, have you got it? It's so much fun. Life would be so boring if everyone were like me. Really, it would. It's the differences that give you that spark. And you can love them and have fun with them and enjoy them if you understand a little bit about it. And the last piece is this. Because we're speaking of differences researchers took 50 bassinets lined them up across the room 25 boys 25 girls three days old because in order to try to find out what is an innate function you got to do it really early in life because there's always the socialization of the environment against the person's innate preference. So they have 50 graduate students. (coughs) First, they hold up this big picture of an actual human face over each bassinet, and they watch what the babies do. And the little girls look at the picture, and they look at the picture, and they look at the picture, and they'll look at the picture almost as long as you hold it up there. And when you watch women talk in adulthood... They often are looking directly at each other, standing right opposite each other, and they're looking at each other the whole time they're talking. The little boys look at the picture. It's not moving, and they look away, and they may never look back at the picture. They saw it once. That's all they needed. So every time you ask a little boy to look at me when I'm talking to you, You totally stress the brain. They don't want to look at you. They know what you look like. They looked at you once. (laughs) And it's real. So we could go on and on and on, but it's time for lunch. So thank you for being here. We'll see you after lunch.